Rockets Lakers tomorrow night at Toyota Center. The rivalry, res- I don't know if I can go there on that. It's not exactly what it was at some point or over the years, but they will play the game and there are a lot of things to talk about. I'm Jonathan Fagan with Danielle Lerner, as always. Thank you for joining us on the Texas Sports Nation podcast. So, Danielle, what are you looking forward to when the Lakers come to town for the last time this season? Well, uh, we don't know if LeBron James is, is going to be playing or not. Uh, he's listed as questionable right now. But, I mean, he always is able to put on a show, it seems. Um, but, you know, the last game against the Lakers, the Rockets were in it really until the last seven minutes or so. Um, it was a pretty entertaining game. It was one of the best atmospheres, I think, that has been inside Toyota Center this season. So um, if we can get that replicated, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, and the meeting uh, prior to that one, the second one of consecutive games against the team between the teams in what was then known as Staples Center, went down to the last shot. And so they've actually had some good games. And the one before that was a pretty close game, but really low scoring so they've had some good games against one another. Uh, I think it does help. I know mean, obviously the Rockets haven't won very often, but they're not at bringing that losing streak in after the win against Memphis in their last home game. And really the loss in Miami, I mean, that was what it, for a better team would be known as a schedule loss where that just – they really looked the part of a team playing five games in seven nights, which is the busiest schedule that's still permitted in the NBA. It looked the part. So you go back to the Memphis game, they played a little bit better. So you don't have that kind of baggage on this, this one. The thing that I find interesting, and I wrote about it last time the Lakers were in town, and then they went out and did it, is to empower Russell Westbrook they really don't need to be playing him with a big lumbering center in the middle. Looking at you, Dwight Howard. Dwight's done some good things. He he hasn't been bad this year. He's actually had some good moments. But Russ needs to attack. They need to spread the floor. So much talk about Russell Westbrook as a reason for the Lakers' struggles. And he's not played well by his standards, but there's a lot of reasons. I thought then that they're better off doing that. And I think if LeBron plays, they probably will do that again. Uh, they did over the weekend, the night LeBron went for, what was it, 56 at age 37. Uh, so I, th- I think they will do that again, spread the floor and let those two guys attack. I think it's the part of the year now where the Lakers need to commit to whatever they do best. And I think that's what they do best. And I mean, another part of what they do best is essentially just let LeBron be LeBron and go into like God mode. I mean, that's what he he had to do when he had 56 against the Warriors. Other guys were making shots down the stretch. stretch. Of course, Austin Reeves um, was a big part of that win for them as well. But at some level, it's just like, okay, like everyone get the ball to LeBron and get out of the way. And that's hard to stop and especially hard to stop when you have a defense like the Rockets, which they don't stop much of anyone. (laughs) Gosh, you walked right into that. A defense like the Rockets that, you know, doesn't doesn't stop anything. Uh, That's very true. Uh, Although, you know, before mentioning the Rockets and their defense, we both brought up LeBron going for 56 at age 37. 
how incredible that is. But I was thinking there was a time at the end of Akeem Olajuwon's run where he said, you know, I feel like I always did, except that I keep having these little nagging injuries. You know, ever since, you know, I got a little older, I, I keep having these no big deal injuries that, you know, I used to, that used to not stop me. Well, I was like, oh, yeah, Akeem, that's what happens when you get close to 40. Is that what we are seeing uh, with LeBron James, where he still looks impossibly good for his age, like for any age, but especially at his age, where he looks just ridiculous to be able to play at this level at 37. But, you know, he's got this sore knee again. As you mentioned, he's questionable. It's the second time he's missed time with that injury. Is that what we're seeing? Is that, yeah, but he's going to have sore knees. He's going to miss time. He, he will have more and more trouble playing night after night. Uh, where he, when he does play, he's still going to be LeBron James. But you just kind of wonder, is that what's starting to happen? Yeah, I feel like every time you watch him or just any player of his caliber in that top tier, whether it's Steph Curry and be like anyone who's at that kind of top threshold of stardom, you think like, is this the peak? Like, how do we know when they're getting to this peak and when does the decline begin? Uh, and especially at, at LeBron's age, as you've mentioned, I know he wants to keep playing as long as he can. He wants to be able to play with his son when his son eventually gets to the NBA. The longer his career goes on and the more ridiculous he gets, you kind of almost start to anticipate the other side of the hill. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if that's the case, whether he declines or he, you know, with the rarest of the rare players, if they stay incomparable as he has, you know, just one of the still, if he doesn't get any MVP talk because his team is in the argument for most disappointing team in the league, but he's playing at this ridiculous level. Do guys like that just stay at that level? but just get tired of having to go out and back and do rehab so often. And, you know, I just don't want to do what it takes to re and what he does to stay at his physical peak is legendary and incredible, but to have to rehab is worse and harder to where that's what leads a guy to retiring. I, I just don't want to continue to battle all these little nagging injuries. I'm getting way ahead of, of ourselves here. You know, he's got a sore knee. He missed one game, but it's happened before to the, the greatest to where they, they're still great right up to the time they retire, but it's the little injuries that lead to the end of their career rather than the slow decline of the level of their play. And we haven't seen a decline yet from him. What, what he's doing is just incredible. And if not, you know, maybe we see that tomorrow. I mean, that's one problem. The Rockets don't have to worry about having a bunch of 19 and 20 something year olds. You know, that's they're, they're not at that point where you have to worry about uh, age really interfering and causing injuries. No, although they do have the 34 year old who doesn't play both games in back to backs because the hip or what is it? The groin tightness crops up coincidentally every time there's a back to back uh, with Eric Gordon and the Rockets, you know. When he doesn't play, they do not win. And they don't win a whole lot when he does play, but they're 0-11 when he doesn't. And so he should be back tomorrow. 
I'm getting the feeling Dennis Schroeder will be back tomorrow. I have no guess about Christian Wood, but it will be interesting. If the Rockets are close to full strength, they have at least a couple rotation guys who shouldn't be overtired from the schedule. Uh, are they ready to play whatever their best will be for the remainder of this season? Uh, this would be a good time to do it. Lakers followed by Mavericks who are playing great. Yeah, I mean, I think as as you've said before, the last couple games, um, even the last couple losses for the Rockets uh, on either side of that win over the Grizzlies have been not promising, but had flashes of promise, if that makes sense. You know, the the Miami game, obviously it was the second night of a back-to-back. They'd gone all out the night before. They're missing three of their regulars, two of their starters, and they get out to a 13-point lead in the first half. Now that wasn't sustainable, and fatigue set in in the second half as a just kind of general sloppiness in a lot of areas. But I think that, you know, that kind of showed that they can – they can kind of get things together if they need to. Um, we saw the same thing in the overtime loss against the Jazz. Um, that was another good game. So it seems like the Rockets are kind of starting to to get things together and click. Um, not that, you know, it's going to be uh, enough to extend their season by any means. But, you know, that's all you can hope for in a season like this one, I think, is that by near the end, you're seeing some markers of progress. Yeah, and I think it would be and we've talked about this before and wrote about it. it. It will be useful if they can have Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green on the court together as much as possible in this final month. They, Because of injuries and Kevin Porter Jr. had the ankle problem, it looked like he, he tweaked it again last night. Uh, they haven't been together as much as maybe you'd like. Kevin Porter Jr. chose a lot of flashes of being a a real instant offense score, a tough guy to stop, but is he the point guard of the future? You know, I think, I think the book, the, you know, he's a player, the guy can produce, but can he run the offense uh, to the level? Can he run the offense and still be aggressive looking for his shot? He's most effective when he's really aggressive looking for his shot. Can he do both together? Um, I don't know that you can definitively answer that in the last month of the season, but I think they'd like more evidence on that. Uh, this would be a good time for that. But if he is well, Jalen Green's playing well enough now, and he seems so comfortable and confident in where he fits in the offense and where to attack and when and how, that you get a better idea of how they can mesh together uh, going forward. Yeah, I think the the first quarter – against the the Heat last night was actually a really good example of the two of them playing together. Both of them played extremely well. Um, it was almost as if they were alternating, um, bringing the ball up the floor uh, every other possession. Um, it wasn't necessarily Kevin Porter Jr. was bringing it up and then um, you know making something happen from there. Sometimes Jalen was doing that, but the ball wasn't sticking in his hands when he was. He was giving it up and then springing back open, using screens, um, or getting the ball and, and going into like a dribble pull-up. Um, of course, we saw him hit all those three-pointers in that first quarter. So I think the two of them are starting to work better together, but also individually, they're more comfortable. They're finding their strengths, especially Jalen. It's it's very obvious um, now, you know, with this run of, I think he's had 20-point games in four of his last five, um, that he, he knows how to create his own shot um, in a lot of different ways now compared to the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's sort of the way it's put to create his own shot. But that really is what it's about with Jalen and why so much of the improvement has come where he is creating his shot, even within the offense, not only ISO, you know, like the jumper against Brandon Clark that sort of clinched the Grizzlies game. Well, that's ISO and he made a move and he got a good 20 footer and hit it. But also just within the offense where he'll, okay, I didn't get the drive here. I'll call out the big man, get it to him and then cut over to get a dribble handoff from him to where creating his own shot, as opposed to early in the year, we're stumbling across his shot. Hey, look, I'm open. Shoot it. You know, that he's not doing that anymore. Now he, he has a plan. He's playing with a plan. I think that's also where you see Josh Christopher not succeeding as much lately. He's still more either just drive in and see if I can get it off or stumbling across a shot to where that's his next step of growth, where Jalen has made that step. And there's going to be many more steps to come, but where now he knows how to go get opportunities to score. Uh, and plus the ball's going in the basket, which, which is always good for a scorer, that it's much more reliably going in. And I'll do that. That, that segues just for a minute to uh, hyping a story that I turned in today just on Jalen Green's shot, which is unusual looking. It, you know, I'm not sure. Unusual is not a word I used in the story. I went with distinctive, unique, a few others. He called it funky, which I like a lot uh, as a term, but it is unconventional. Uh, It's unusual in that his left hand faces towards him as he starts to go up for the shot. He's sort of pigeon-toed and knock-kneed. I I asked some scouts before I started working on the story, is that going to work? Can he do this? And the, the answer was the same for every guy I talked to. If he can repeat it, if he can, it's the same shot shot after shot. And he and the Rockets are very confident. Yeah, it is. If you watch him, that's his shot. It is repeatable. And, you know, you can go back through time from every Reggie Miller and hey, you go to back to Jamal Wilkes. There are guys who've had very unconventional shots, but they repeat it. It works for them. And so they, that's what, hey, Larry Bird, you know, brought the ball up higher than you would typically teach. Typically you teach don't ever lose sight of the ball uh, on your shot. And he did, a, he kept it within sight a little bit because it was to the side of his head. But he, he brought it up higher than you typically would teach with a perfect form, if there is such a thing, jump shot. But, you know, every time was exactly the same. Then the other part of it that everybody talks about is he shoots it from so low and that looks so weird. I don't know. Kids today, they, they all do. Or not all, but. Boy, Cade Cunningham, John Moran, there's just a whole lot of guys who they're shooting it from their chest these days. And it doesn't seem to be a problem. So, uh, you know, I think in the end, the two things you judge, can he repeat it? And when he shoots, does it go in? And hey, it is. So, and I do think his development where the beginning of the year, when the Rockets were losing, losing, when they had the 15 game losing streak and he, the, their most important prospect, was struggling, that had to be really tough. I don't think it's so bad if you're a Rocket fan and your team is really, really losing if the most important young guys, and he's at the top of that list, if they're progressing and producing. I think he is, and to some degree, Opera and Shangoon is.
Yeah, I mean, Shangoon, he was told only a, a couple minutes before the game started last night that Christian Wood was not starting, that he would be starting. And we said, oh, like, what was it like to find that out? And he just goes, oh, nothing changed. I was ready. Just very, very chill about it. Um, you know, he he has definitely, he's definitely a very excitable guy. He's He's funny in that way where you can tell when he gets really frustrated about a shot that he misses um, or a foul call, or you could tell when he gets really excited. But it was it was kind of funny to see him be so even keel about it and just be like, yeah, I wanted the opportunity. And you know what? He was making the most of it for, for a while out there. He looked really, really comfortable. He was, you know, backing down P.J. Tucker um, so that he could, you know, seal off the lane and catch an entry pass from Jalen Green. He was um, facing double teams uh, and either passing out of them or trying to make a move in, in the post to, to free himself up. And I don't think he missed a shot um, until close to the end of the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. He made all four of his shots in the first quarter um, for sure. And then I think made his fifth one as well. So um, didn't do so hot in the second half. Yeah, yeah, he missed, he missed one, got his own miss and put it back, um, you know, like the rest of the Rockets, he fell off in, in the second half of the game. I think that's where just fatigue and the speed of the game um, kind of got to him a little bit. But I think he's looking more and more comfortable. And we saw that the last game that he had started, um, the only previous game before last night that he had started where Christian Wood did not play was that game in Phoenix, where, of course, he had 19 points and 14 rebounds. So I think that he, the fact that he had got that opportunity to do that in Phoenix really helped him feel comfortable and feel like Steven Silas trusts him and probably set him up to succeed um, a lot more in the first half in Miami. Yeah, you bring up a few really good points. One, I'll just do my, I've done this rant before, so I'll keep it quicker, but my gosh, they got to get off the refs. You know, just, you can't complain after every miss and you know, I think Jayshon Tate tomorrow will actually complain more than LeBron James, which, you know, you can't do that. And just, I, I don't know. They got to get out of that habit next season. It just doesn't help you. If anything, I think you lose the benefit of the doubt. Um, there are guys who aren't doing it that way. Jalen Green, he'll go talk to them sometimes. Uh, but, you know, the, the immediate reaction and Alpi did that. A little bit last night, where okay, just stop. It's just, you might be right, but it's not helping you. Uh, my quick rant there. The other one, though, you brought up how he wore out, and everybody, you know, five and seven happens across the league. That's rough, but it did make me curious how some of the really young guys, and Alperin Shangun is their youngest player, uh, how they will look next year. Uh, just watching them against the Heat last night. You know, the Heat, just the best conditioned team you can imagine. And one guy after another, that they look like they spend their offseason playing linebacker. They're, you know, between Jimmy Butler and P.J. Tucker, even Kyle Lowry, who never looked like he was out of shape early in his career, but then he got in way better shape. How will the young Rockets look next year? Shangun talks about it all the time, that he, I got to get stronger. If I, I just, you know, Dacian Nix has shown a lot of promise. He is a point guard. He's a natural passer. He's got good vision and a tremendous willingness. And, you know, he's light on his feet for such a big guy. 
But will he look different in his second and third season? Uh, it's, it's something to watch, being so young. I think, you know, everybody talks about Jalen Green. I think most of all with Alperin Shingun. If he he's a big guy, you know, he can go to 45, getting stronger, I think will make a big difference for him. Yeah, I think it's not only pure strength, but just conditioning, right? Like last night, Alpi played 30 minutes, almost 31 minutes. That was the most that he's played this season. And like that in the context of the Rockets schedule is extremely strenuous to someone who hasn't done that before. And yes, Alpi played in Europe. He's played professionally before. Technically, it's not a situation like some of these guys where, you know, you're playing this type of kind of frantic schedule for the first time if you, you know, came out of college, for example, um, it's not the same. But it's very different when you're going against these guys who are, like you said, these linebacker type guys. Like these are professionals who have been playing in this league and conditioning to play in this league specifically for years and years now. And it's a whole different game. So I think for for Alpi, it's conditioning as much as just the pure strength um, and same probably for Dacian Nix. Um, although Steven Silas did make it a point to remark yesterday that he thought Nix looked really, really strong when he was driving into the paint. He was pretty much the only guy who was consistently uh, getting through that packed Miami defense. Right. And, you know, the Heat are tough to score inside. I mean, they, they give up fewer points in the paint than any team in the league. So that is tough to score inside. But he does drive. Dacian Nix does drive. And as I said, he's a big guy. He's a strong guy, and he's pretty light on his feet about it. But I, I just wonder. He looks young he's in his body, even. He he does look young. And, and going back to Shingun, yeah, they don't play anywhere near as compressed a schedule in Europe as in the NBA. So night after night games and way less time for practice, it is a huge adjustment. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. And as it relates to him... If you're going to play two bigs together and, you know, Christian Wood's strength defensively is switching, getting out, you know, he had, he blocked the three of John Morant the other night, late in that game. That's his strength, not as much dealing with Steven Adams inside. Is Shangun your answer there? Can he be the physical matchup, you know, where he's not now? I mean, but there's so many big, bigs centers right now. We saw what DeMarcus Cousins did against the Rockets. You you can imagine Nikola Jokic. You don't want to turn somebody, they got Jonas Valanciunas coming up. Uh, and Steven Adams just was a monster on the offensive boards, and not just with his own rebounds, but everything it took to control him for other guys got it. If Shangun is that, does he then work well with Christian Wood? Or for that matter, does he work well with Chet Holmgren? Uh, because, you know, Chet Holmgren makes Christian Wood look like Carl Malone. And so uh, it, I, I think a lot of their future put with who, who, who becomes their front court, a little of that depends if, if Shangun is a center of a center. You know, I am the answer right there. You know, he's only he's 6'10. I started to say only 6'10, but that's a little weird. But he's not ever going to grow into being as tall as seven-footer Jokic or some of the others. You don't want to turn Nurkic into Jokic. But if he can be your 
block in the middle, or does that open things up? That hey, you can play Jabari Smith, which I think they would like to get a chance to do, as your modern 2022 version of a stretch four. Uh, he might even be able to play three, but he's a stretch four. Chet Holmgren can do so many things, and he is a seven one guy, maybe seven foot, but I think he's seven one. But you know, he he's a swizzle stick. And that's okay. You can have the really tall, skinny guy because you know, just like the Cavaliers make it work very well with Mobley because Jared Allen does the physical dirty work. Will Shangun be able to do the physical dirty work? I mean, I think that's a, a very good point. That you know, now as we near the end of the season, we have to start thinking more and more about the future of the Rockets, not just the guys that are here right now, but how they will fit in with potentially new pieces that they will add through the draft, through free agency whatever it may be. Um, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about draft prospects as we get closer to June, for sure. But I mean, that that is interesting that you have to look at not just, okay, this is this guy's skill set right now. How do we amp that up? You have to start looking at it. Does that fit with our other pieces? And are there additional tools that we need to essentially give these players uh, in their toolbox in order to make them the best version of the player that suits the Houston Rockets. We talk about fit a lot. That's essentially what, what we're talking about right now. It doesn't matter how good of a player you are and how good certain skills are. If you're not adaptable to fit with the other pieces on a certain team, you're useless when it comes to a certain point. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, although I will correct, I, I don't think we're going to wait till June to talk about draft prospects. I said closer <laughs> I said to next- June. Next Tuesday is technically closer to June, but after we get the bracket, we'll have an idea of, okay, here's guys, especially because the Rockets have the two first round picks in very different places in the first round. Of course, maybe not. Maybe the Nets don't make the, uh, make the play, don't win in their playing games, don't make the playoffs. The Rockets win the lottery with the Nets pick. The chances of that are exceed exceedingly small. I think we can go buy lottery tickets and have as good a chance as that, but not really. But very, very small. More likely, the Rockets will have two very, very different first round picks. You know, people ask, why are they losing all the time? This works back around eventually to what you said about fit. So, but why are they losing all the time? Well, you know, they're getting better, right? Individual guys are getting better. Why don't they win games? Well, they got three things that stand in the way that are the difference between winning and losing. And usually one or two of those happen every night. They miss free throws, they turn the ball over, and they play poor defense. And so you can defend better as they have on occasion, jazz game, one of the Clipper games, but still lose because you turn the ball over and you're missing free throws. So that's way too many wasted possessions. And they don't just shoot a bad percentage of free throws. They shoot more of them than any team. So shooting a bad percentage hurts them way more. That gets in the way. But the other reason, again, working our way back to what you were saying about fit, the other reason is they haven't started team building at all. They're still collecting talent, seeing what they've got, letting them develop and evaluating. Eventually, then they got to start seeing how guys fit with one another. I kind of wonder... Is this draft one where you think that way? If with the first pick, they end up with Jaden Ivey, say, do they have to think, you know what? If I can get a seven-footer with the Nets pick, I got to do it. Or the opposite. If they take 6'10", Jabari Smith, or 
seven one ish Chet Holmgren, do they think, you know, I need a wing or I need just a, a shooter, you know, a guy who's going to be maybe a three and D player, but isn't going to be everything, which they definitely didn't do that last year. They picked four guys they really like, you know, and when they signed Knicks, they were thinking eventually they would convert the contract. He made it a lot easier to do because he played so well. Again, that's just, okay, we're going to take guys we like. Is this the year? Do they start thinking how do parts fit together? And I really feel like we just had the draft like yesterday where they took Jalen and Josh and Alpi and, and Usman. Like that feels like weeks, just mere weeks ago to me. So I can't believe that we're, we're already coming up uh, on another one in a couple months. But um, yeah, I guess we'll have to see the direction that they go. And I do want to add, you mentioned team building. And I did think that it was slightly funny that uh, – Steven Silas was asked a question pregame yesterday about, you know, leadership. And of course, he mentions Schroeder and Gordon, but he was talking about Christian Wood and managed to slip in that Wood had rented out an entire movie theater for the team to go watch the Batman movie um, earlier this week or last week, I guess, and uh, mentioned that as a show of leadership. But then Kevin Porter Jr. let slip after the game like, oh, yeah, well, he only sent out the invite for that like three hours before. So like I couldn't go. Because it was too short notice, and a lot of other people couldn't go, um, which is not a knock on Christian Wood. I just thought it was funny. Well, no, what you're really saying is that when Reed Lamance does that for the Houston Chronicle sports staff, he needs to send the invites way earlier, especially for those of you who have active social lives, as opposed to me sitting around all the time. You know, we'll make it. And so, you know, this, this will be our way of finding out if Reed listens to the whole podcast. Did he make it? And for those who are unaware, that's our sports editor. So we'll see if he got all the way down to to the end of the podcast when he rents out the movie theater for his team, uh, as Christian Wood did, uh, apparently, to go see the Batman. Uh, You know, next week we'll figure out what movie Reed should take us all to. I was going to make a really great joke about with great power comes great responsibility. And I was like, I think that's. Spider-Man. Right? <laughs> and about a hundred others. But yeah, I, I get, boy, that, I think that is our cue to thank everyone for listening to the Texas Sports Nation podcast. As always, we'll be back with you on Tuesday. Next week, we'll have a bracket. So we'll be able to talk a little bit about scouting rocket draft choices. We won't know exactly where those picks will be. Uh, I think it's May 17th is the uh, is the draft lottery. So we're a long way for that. Not to mention, we won't know if the Nets pick is a lottery pick. But we'll have a pretty good idea of what's at stake beginning next week when the tournament starts. And you get to see guys like Chet Holmgren against uh, competition game after game because he's, he's just killing the weak competition. He's played pretty good against the good competition. Now we'll get to really look. And so that'll be fun. Something to look forward to as the Rockets wind their season down. But next to the Laker game, and that's always a great atmosphere wherever they go, but definitely in Toyota Center. Thanks again for joining us. For Danielle Lerner, I'm Jonathan Fagan. Get the Texas Sports Nation podcast wherever you get to podcasts. Talk to you next week.